What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. Right, what's up, Gravel family? It's Jason and Sophia, and uh, this is the last episode that we re- recorded back in like November, maybe end yeah. of November, early December, uh, where we recorded like seven or eight podcasts so we could get through the holidays, um, so we can keep episodes coming. And this is also a really cool one too. Uh, it's a probably the OGest of OG riders in in gravel. So I think really, it's a really tie excited. between this guy and Guitar Ted. Ooh, that's true. Uh, one one's on the promoter side and one's on the mm-hmm. racer side. So excited to get uh, into this next uh, podcast. But we're kind of uh, got a couple things coming up here that we wanted to make sure we highlight before we jump into the episode. Uh, winter mm-hmm. endurance is our winter race. And that is on February 17th. So when this comes out, it's a little under two weeks out from the race. So make sure you get signed up. You can still get registered. uh, Winterendurance.com. And it's super old school, like crazy old school rules. So clipboard timing. uh, There's it's fully self-supported. So you have to go into a gas station and get a lottery ticket, like a $2 Powerball uh, to prove that you went to the, the checkpoint. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, and we're really excited to, to do our winter race registration still open. So get signed up. Uh, we have 150 K, which is about 90 miles, hundred K, which is just over 60 and then 50 K, which is, uh, is like 30 ish miles. So, and I think if I get my stuff together this weekend, the routes will be released also on Monday. Uh, when uh, this podcast comes out so and last year uh if you'll remember it was fairly snowy and cold i actually um kind of wimped out and i (laughs) went home early because i did not love the cold um but this year it's looking like it's going to be a little bit nicer and it looks like nebraska is going to get a break in the snow um so while it will be still chilly um you know that's nebraska so it won't yeah, be, it, it doesn't look be, like it's going to be as extreme. It won't be as extreme. Yeah, I think we got 11 inches of snow on like the Thursday mm-hmm. before, um, which that is not normal either. We usually don't no. get like a foot at a time. Um, but and like right now, the weather conditions keep changing. Gravel is actually pretty good conditions, a uh, little soft, but the next like week, the highs are in the 50s and 60s. And then race week, the highs are in upper 40s. So I would imagine a pretty dry, fast course and a nice warm for the Midwest relatively, like high 48, around 50 degree high on race day, which is fantastic. So uh, also it's going to be really windy the next week. So windy and warm really dries stuff out. So hopefully we're going to have a fast, dry winter endurance, unless you want snow, then or do pray, a snow dance or something. Pray then, yeah. Pray or do your dances the, <laughs> the next week. Well, something else that's fun we have coming up for y'all is we have the month and kind of a half at this point of power couples. So we thought with Valentine's Day in February we might as well just 
jump into the month of love and interview some incredible couples, whether they are in the cycling industry, whether they are professional athletes, um, or whether they're race promoters. So that's going to be fun. Um, and I also want to um, kind of play around on Spotify with um there is the option for polls and with love month coming up i know that bikes unite us all but also there is something in um the entertainment industry that unites us all and that is taylor and uh travis kelsey (laughs) um so (laughs) with Love Month coming up and also the Super Bowl happening this next Sunday. (laughs) We're going to do a poll that is not related to cycling because I want to just see if this even works. Um, So if you see on Spotify the option to vote either for the Chiefs or the 49ers in um, the Super Bowl this coming Sunday, just vote and we'll see if this poll even works. Um, Shocker, we are going for Taylor Swift's boyfriend in this house. House. what about you right. jason t swift all the way yep <sighs> um yep. jason and my talk <laughs> yeah sophia got me hooked man i am <laughs> am embarrassed to say uh like game one i was like all right this is a little ridiculous but like game two i was like sophie and i've been tiktoking back and forth about oh yeah, T Swift. Just vote, and we'll see. Because then we can <laughs> we can use the poll on future episodes, and we can make them. Obviously, it'll be cycling related. I just wanted to make this a throwaway poll, so yeah. we'll see. Um, and then the other thing uh, that we've also done is uh, the Gravel Family Podcast has its own Instagram now. So do, go do, follow do. Gravel Family Podcast. We're trying to post a little bit less on the Gravel World side uh, over time here. So uh, make sure you follow the Gravel Family Podcast to like update on new episodes or send us messages about uh, about what guests you want or any questions you have. Um, and then we're also going to try to do better of like guests that are coming up, putting uh, like questions. Uh, where you can ask questions so we're going to say you know this guest is next send us send us questions that you have for them and we're going to try to do like an instagram questions section so uh yeah heck yeah all right well let's jump in to this awesome episode what's up gravel family i'm jason and i'm sophia and we are on the last episode of our weekend gauntlet that we recorded over a weekend uh while while sophia is moving to nashville so we recorded a bunch before she left and don't worry though what she's we got already planned out we'll be doing more episodes from nashville i'll be here in lincoln and also, don't worry. She is going to be back for Gravel Worlds. That is good uh, thing, non-negotiable. Good thing that plane rides and car rides exist. <laughs> and Nashville, as of last week, Southwest just added a direct flight every day from Nashville to Omaha. Ooh, so. all right. Okay. Uh, but our next guest here, we're really excited. Um, it really, like, the OGest of OG in Gravel, uh, I would say. One of, one of the original uh, original people that was doing gravel before it was cool you'll say um but he is the winner of the first gravel worlds the very first back in 2010 also winner of event little events called unbound uh dk 200 at the time 
Uh, he's won Masters at events like Gravel Worlds in 2015, uh, Crusher and the Toucher, Mid-South. But he's also won uh, some major classic events like Odin's Revenge, the Hondo, uh, Bohemian Stowmill, Red River Riot, and so many more podiums that we could ever read on the podcast. And I'm sure his humility is already uh, telling us to stop <laughs> reading all these uh, accolades of his. But he's a librarian as well and a great friend of ours in Pirate Cycling League. Welcome to the podcast, Mike Marshawn. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, great to see you this Sunday morning after the time change. Yeah, which, uh, yeah. which is a challenge. I can't believe you guys have done uh, recorded eight podcasts in over this weekend. Yeah, yep, you're yeah. you're our eighth. You're well, our eighth one. We actually had a ninth, but one of our guests got that got food poisoning. So yeah, we uh, we love doing this where we can knock them out in a weekend. That sounds harder than Trans Iowa. oh man well let's get right into it so we see the books behind you um the thing we find most fascinating is you do all these races around the world while being a librarian and carney uh what do you love about being a librarian um that's not the question i expected right off the bat Uh, (laughs) uh, librarianship is a pretty fantastic way to help people I think uh, to allow them to help themselves, we've provided all of this information. And uh, I like to look at the the collection, the books, and then you come in and you can like imagine to yourself that here's uh, 150,000 of the smartest people that ever lived, and they want to tell me something. And wow. so, you know, pick who you want to go visit with. If you want to talk to Einstein or if you want to talk to Amy Tan, it's... That's uh, that's a really cool thing about libraries. Now, my particular uh, position here at the library, I'm the cataloging librarian. So I spend eight hours at, at a desk in a in an office, and uh, it's got the beauty of I can help people without having immediate contact with them. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, some people that might appeal to, and that seems to work pretty good for me. But uh, also eight hours of desk time. I mean, that's eight hours of recovery. And so yeah. right. when, when I'm off work, I'm, I'm ready to go ride. I love awesome. it. How much, how many miles are you still putting in or do you try to do a week? Cause you still are like you, I've, I've had the opportunity to be dropped by you many times <laughs> at events. <laughs> uh, you're still very, very fast. E- even though like we're talking about masters wins, like you're, you're very, very fast. Uh, and you have been for a long time. So what what does your training look like? Uh, apparently, you recover at work, which is great. But then, what's your what's your training like now? Uh, over the years, you know, I I've always tried to ride every day, uh, at least a little bit, and it, it, that seems to like re- eliminate the conversation you have with yourself. Like, will I go for a ride today? Uh, I'm really not feeling it. Um, but if you ride every day, you go out, give it a shot. Uh, usually it's like, oh, I feel a lot better than I thought I did. Sometimes you, know, you need to turn around and go back home. But yeah, most of the time, just getting out the door seems to be the, the first hurdle. And when that one's out of the way, uh, usually it's pretty gold. Um, so I'm still trying to do that. I'll take a few days off. Uh, we did a vacation down in Alabama recently. And so the travel days, I didn't stress out about not riding on those. But mostly every day. Uh, now, back... Through the early 2000s, I would ride, uh, those were usually 20,000 mile a year years. 
Twenty thousand, uh, man! Wow, yeah. <laughs> so not quite Finnegan level stuff, but really close. That's but it really was okay. darn close. <laughs> yeah, so that would average out to like fifty-four miles a day for three hundred and sixty-five days. <laughs> if you do the math, <laughs> wild. It's a lot of time on the bike. <laughs> it oh is. That, think of all those junk miles, but you know that they, they were fun. It's uh, it, so it was just this like huge base and no high end whatsoever. So. That's that's been kind of the story. Um, lately, uh, so I'm I'm going to be 60 uh, in April, and so you don't continue to get faster <laughs> as yeah. those years add up. And uh, when I won Gravel Worlds, I was 46. So I mean, you're already not on the getting faster uh, timeline, yeah. but. Uh, so I think this year I might end up with maybe about thirteen thousand. Nice. Wow. And then you won, uh, you won DK the year before Gravel Worlds, right? Like two thousand nine, maybe. Right. That wasn't. Was that the first DK or DK two thousand seven? Might have been the first. Uh, I think the first one might have been in 06, and 06. Dan won. Yeah. And then the second one in 07, uh, Steve Getzelman won from Iowa, and the third one in 2008 uh cameron chambers and just a little aside if anybody thinks that those early years were uh just joy rides with a bunch of buds uh cameron chambers rode for uh, uh gary fisher subaru back then yeah he had a uh, like team car and a team trailer and wow. cameron chambers was still super fast uh very very talented and back then, oh, man, he was smoking fast. Anyway, so that was in 08. In 09 was the first one that I did. So I'd been, like, following what these guys were doing uh, through their blogs and uh, Internet stuff. And I thought, you know, that sounds insane, but I like long rides. If I could, like, figure out how, how to do this stuff and... Uh, and uh, get in there with them. Uh, I think that'd be fun. But I, I always wanted to be, I got to be able to done by four dark. I was like, I'm not really yeah. riding all night. <laughs> and back in those days, you didn't know. It might be all night. As a matter it, in the early uh, writer's Bible, there was a section that says that you probably won't have time to sleep during the race. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Like, Maybe. You but, might. Uh, yeah, so... So, yeah, so that's what we were coming into in 09. It was still, uh, like, figuring out how to do this that's, gravel that, thing. Wow. So, like, that, one of the things that Corey Godfrey, our, the founder of Gravel Worlds, uh, wanted me to ask was kind of back in those early days before GPS. Because a lot of those early races, you, you got cue cards, and you didn't have GPS tracking and all that stuff. So... Were, were those early years of, I can't re even remember for Gravel Worlds, but even the, the early DKs that you won in 2009 uh, and then Gravel Worlds in 2010, did you have like GPS turn by turn or were, were you cue carding on those as well? I didn't get a Garmin GPS until 2015. Wow. Oh my gosh. So yes. I was using cue cards. Uh, even in the 2015 race, I had a, a cue sheet that I'd, I retyped my own, so I had it on one page, uh, and then pretty much straight, straight down, and uh, and then I would clip it on my handlebars. 
But uh, I remember awesome. in that race, uh, I was ended up riding quite a bit with Yuri Hoswald. And, uh, and I was bragging to Yuri about how awesome my cue sheet was. So, so that, hasn't <laughs> been, that hasn't been that long ago. Uh, back in 2009, and, you know, that was part of what you had to figure out. How, how am I going to do this and not get lost or follow around? Uh, DK, they would mark the course with, uh, with little orange flags that they would put on uh, either on a stick on the corner. And then they would put it on the, on the side of the road where you were supposed to turn. If it was right-hand turn, it was in the right-hand ditch or left in the left-hand ditch or tied to the fence or tied to a tree or, you know, something like that. So there were these orange flags, and they didn't have cue sheets even back then. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. So if you it, missed an orange stake, you could be <laughs> riding for 25 well, miles? They, uh, they gave you a map okay. that, they'd, oh. that they'd printed out, and it was just for the the, the part of the between the, that and the halfway checkpoint, it must have been, because we only stopped one time in '09. But you oh had a gosh. map with, and it was these like little, I don't know, like about six by six uh, inch square map. And, and I th- think we'd stick it in our pocket and then look at it when we were lost. Wow. But, uh, wow. you, you know, for the most part of the, my racing career, I've always been following. And, you know, there's a lot of tracks in the, in the dirt. So you can kind of tell if, or where you're going. And nowadays, there's a million people out there, so it's easy to stay in the bunch. But on that on that 09 DK, I came to the race, and I thought, this is so cool. I've been out training by myself. This is like nobody else around Kearney, Nebraska, uh, road gravel back then, maybe one or two guys. And you, you'd go out there, and you'd never, ever see another cyclist. And I thought, well, I'm going to go down to Emporia, and... I'll have people to ride with. This is going to be so fun. I'm going to love this. <laughs> and the race starts, and I'm just really excited and a spaz. And, like, I'm on the front in the first, in the flat part, pulling the whole bunch, thinking, oh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> it's just no tactical sense whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, we get uh, maybe 30 miles into it, and we've been through a couple low water crossings. And uh, I have a flat tire. Back's going down. Like, well, okay, this sucks. But uh, we're down to a bunch of, um, well, Dan Hughes, Corey, Troy Krause, uh, a few other people, a couple more. And uh, this is at the front of the race by then. We'd already been over a couple hills. And uh, my tire's going down. And if there's such a thing as the spirit of gravel, this would be a moment where that, uh, manifested itself. I, I look around at the guys, my tire's going down. Uh, why don't you all stop and take a nature break and I'll pump up this tire. And they go, okay, cool. The whole bunch just stops. That's amazing. Wow. That race. would never happen now. And, uh, I didn't even have a CO2 back then. I, uh, I'll go back a little bit. I had, uh, tubeless wheels, uh, Dura-Ace. I don't even know what model they were. They were the, like the first 10 speed, uh, Scandium Dura Ace wheels, and they were tubeless ready. They had a sealed inside rim, and I was using Hutchison Bulldogs uh, because Cameron used them the year before and said he didn't puncture. And uh, <laughs> and it, so I was tubeless for 30 miles. Uh, that uh, tire was going down, and I didn't have any CO2. I didn't carry it back then. I had uh, a couple tubes, and I had a frame pump. 
Yep. So I took that, it was a like a road morph frame pump. It had a little gauge on it, which was kind of cool. It could tell me how far I was going. So I just took that off and pumped it up. And, you know, how long that took me, a couple minutes. And then the whole bunch takes off again. That's awesome. Wow. Not exactly like today. No, no, that, that would be You see Borstelman telling everybody to stop at Gravel Worlds, and we'll all right? just, uh, why don't you just all <laughs> hang out here while I work on my bike a little bit. <laughs> on that same, you know, topic of cue card racing, on the flip side, what are some gravel technologies that you've really appreciated developing over the years besides the bike computer? Well, yeah, I mean, all the way from the bike. Uh, when I was doing research before I dared to get into any of these events, well, uh, how, there weren't very many, but uh, I was like, well, what kind of bike will I use? I had a full suspension mountain bike, of course, a 26-inch wheeled mountain bike, and I go, well, I could use this on gravel. So I was out training on that around here and and uh, just riding this full suspension mountain bike on our gravel roads. You can imagine, you know, Carney's gravel is just like Lancaster County, Yep. yep. You know, up and down, not super technical. Over overkill with full suspension. Lot, you were way over biked for sure. Yeah, and and way <laughs> under arrow. So, you know, you're sitting like and straight weight up. Too. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and it weighed 30 pounds. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, somebody, some of some of these guys are using cross bikes. So, well, I don't want to spend a lot of money, so I get an aluminum uh, cross bike, and I bought a felt. Uh, I think it was like a F1X. Uh, it was That's black, so had. I liked it. Yeah, it was exactly what Randy had. I could tell you a story about that too. So anyway, so I I got that uh, felt and uh, and that was better. But still, even just right before 09 DK, I was like, which one should I use? Uh, it's a long day. I'll take the cross bike, which obviously is a really good call. So technology that's better. Uh, well, for one, gearing uh, that yeah. felt was a 10 speed it had 105 components and uh the chain rings it was a 4636 and the biggest cassette i could get or was a 1227 oh my gosh so my easiest gear was a 3627 oh my goodness that's still pounding up especially some of those big hills that around here and down there and in emporia for sure yeah, Egypt yeah. on a thirty-six twenty-seven. Right. Yeah. So yeah, little Egypt at mile one hundred and forty something with a thirty-six twenty-seven gear. And at the time, I thought a twenty-seven was like really cheating. Like this is the Are easiest. Oh yeah, yeah. Because because <laughs> we were used to twenty-threes and twenty-fives, maybe the biggest on the cassette back in those days. And everything was a fifty-two or a fifty-three thirty-nine. You know, on road bikes were like huge gears and uh yeah i thought that 27 was cheating that was my secret weapon <laughs> but uh yeah there's no way that i would want to be on anything less than a 34 34 nowadays yeah a one-to-one yeah of some yeah kind. for sure yeah. Do, are you still are you still two by or do you have you tried the one have you switched the controversial one by two by conversation um, I'm still two by. Maybe you guys can sell me on uh, on a one by setup, but uh, I, it's I I I so the I switched to one by with with Lauf uh, like five years ago, six years ago, and I thought I would miss the two by. I I haven't noticed it. I, again, I'm way more average than than 
than you are, I would say, but uh, or the elite people. But I haven't missed it. And then when I went back to Dubai with the new Lauf road bike that I've been testing out, I've almost been like frustrated that I have to switch the two by. So it's like, I like, I've gone almost the full opposite direction and be like, Oh yeah, I gotta like, I, I like run out of gears and I'm like, Oh man, like this is way harder than I think. And I'm like, Oh wait, I have like eight more gears. I don't, I forgot about. Uh, so, but with electronic shifting, if we ever went to that, then you can like, they can do it where it just auto shifts for you on the two by. But yeah, I kind of went to this mentality of like, Oh, I don't even have to think about my front chain ring ever. And now, now I do again for a little while until we raffle that bike off. But uh, yeah, it's. I think it's total preference. But I don't know. I think it's whatever How you about, want. What, what kind of cassette do you run on your one by? Uh, on what the size? one by, I have a ten to ten, uh, eleven forty two. Forty two. So I mean, like a forty two. That was the size of a middle ring on a triple. Yep. Uh, front ring setup. So that's like a gigantic thing. I wonder how. I don't even know how much those things weigh, but they look like they. You're not getting a weight savings because you, the cassette's a big, huge thing versus yeah, the I, chain I, rings. I, uh, I don't know. I I haven't gotten in. They say they're lighter, though, right? Like one by. I don't know. Maybe it is. Well, yeah, I there's way less. I, no I front derailleur and all. You have no front derailleur and no, you're taking out quite a bit of, of weight out of the two by up front because it doesn't have as much. I don't know. It's whatever yeah. you want. I, I, I don't know either. I get used to what I've got and then I. Yep. Like the I, the, frog the thing I think pot. people say with the one by is like the jumps are too big. Like, like, you yeah. know, like the, and the only time I ever notice it is if I'm riding on like, uh, uh, the rail to trails where, because like normally more, most of my riding, you have hills and you, you're going to be shifting up and down anyway. And the only time I ever notice it is if I'm doing like a really long effort at the same speed and you maybe like kind of right in the middle, but it's still, I've never. Yeah. I think met. that's right. It, yeah. The times uh, when I've missed it, like if there was one tooth that I wish I had on the cassette because I'm suffering like a dog, it's usually when you're riding with other people and yep. somebody's going a little bit faster than you want to. So uh, it's probably less of a gear problem, way more of a leg problem. Yeah, for me. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, that was a that was a tech tangent right there. We <laughs> that was fun to, a little fun to do. Which which is ironic because you got somebody that's like way not tech. Um, I'm, this is not my <laughs> me deal. Me too. Me too. I like. I, I was like, oh, if it looks kind of cool, I'll write it. <laughs> like exactly. <this. laughs> yeah. Well. Should we switch gears, not to be too techie, huh? But let's switch gears over to your first Gravel World experience, since we have you on the Gravel Family Podcast. Um, let's talk a little bit about your whole race setup, how you heard about Gravel Worlds in the beginning, um, and what it was like back in those old days. Okay. Uh, first off, I want to start with uh, like a personal rule I have. that Okay. For... After a race, I only allow myself to talk about it for one week. Oh, okay. And, and then, uh, well, nobody wanted to hear about it anyway, most of the time. And then I say, well, after that week, then I won't talk about this race anymore. But I'm sure I broke that immediately with Gravel Worlds because <laughs> that was, went so well. But, uh, and, and I'll break it today. So you know, what's that been, like 13-some years, 14? Uh, Are you... Four, because you're, next year's... Next, this next Gravel Worlds is year 15, so, yeah. Is it, 
Does that go back before. to like the Good Life gravel adventure? So that would be that's before that. So technically, this is the seventh. Next year's the seventeenth event, which is crazy that Corey's been Corey and Craig and the whole community have been been doing this. Sophia and I came in. Well, Sophia was at the first one, but. Yeah. And has been uh, involved more, even longer than I have. But we we kind of became more prominent, I guess, working with Gravel Worlds in the last five years, probably uh, twenty nineteen. But yeah, it's so there's been fifteen Gravel Worlds start like next year's the fifteenth Gravel Worlds, and then there were two Good Life Gravel Adventures uh, before that. That's astonishing. You guys have done so good, and uh, <laughs> uh, wow, I can't uh, I can't believe it's been that long. But because uh, uh, it goes by I mean, so yeah, fast. Corey, Corey and Craig, for sure. Like there, there were a lot of years that would have been probably easier to give up than keep pushing forward. But yeah, they've they've built uh, a lot of things. And Sophia and I, uh, we kind of came on and just put the roof on a little bit. They they built the foundation. Um, but oh, I mean, sure. and and honestly, Mike, like people like you, it and Corey would say the same thing, I'm sure. But without people like you showing up and bragging about the race and telling it like it wouldn't exist, you know, without, without the people showing up. And I, I'm sure Corey would say that a hundred times out of 10. So, uh, but yeah, 15th so that, year next year. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that first one. So like everything back in those days, there wasn't, we weren't looking on Facebook or anything, but, uh, Corey had his blog and, uh, some of the other Lincoln guys did. And, uh, I think, uh, Corey was the one or Craig, maybe it was and they said we're going to do gravel worlds uh, okay and and then he had those the sh- uh, rainbow jerseys yep mm-hmm. and he posted a picture of one and uh well I, I i mean lincoln's convenient and i love riding 150 is a sweet spot that's a good mileage and oh man i would love to have that jersey yeah but, <laughs> but that's impossible so you know t- this is me talking to myself that that that's impossible, and uh, and there's no way in the world I could compete really with these guys from Lincoln because I know how good they are. Uh, but you know, it'd be a good time. It'd be fun, and uh, so did all the. I did some preparation. I rode up to Broken Bow and back as a like a month before training ride, so that was 150 miles. So. So I felt confident I could get it done. And if, if a person, if you're not in shape in August, then you're, you're not going to be in shape that year. So, I mean, it's a great time of year to have some fitness. Yep. So uh, that was all good. But then that 6 a.m. start. Uh, <laughs> I hate that. It's like, Start in the dark. <laughs> if, you, if you ever wanted to do something for us all, but how about 6.30? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's set in stone at this point. It's like yeah. become it's become it's a the amount of times every year, especially the front the fast people. I'll say the fast people are the ones that say it. They're like, can we just start start at seven? Start at six forty five. Wait, here. What if Mike comes back and wins overall at Gravel Worlds? Then we can grant him the six thirty a.m. start. Well, yeah, that means you're stuck at six. So yeah, that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> No, no problem. But, uh, yeah, that's starting in the dark. Uh, and, uh, that first year, I mean, so if you, if you were there, you remember we started out the event center mm-hmm. yep. on the east side of town and yep. half a lock. Yep. And, uh, so we're, we're all like out there with all the horse trailers and on the dirt parking lot and, uh, and it, you know, it's pitch black and I don't know how many y'all had a hundred and some people that had signed up for that first one in, in 2010 
which seemed like a huge crowd back then, super intimidated by it all. But you go up, and we went, and uh, Corey was doing check-ins in a little pop-up tent, and they didn't have number plates or uh, anything, really. But he had a like a Sharpie, and they were writing numbers on our calves. Like, like a swimmer, like a swimmer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a triathlon. So so you know, like, most of that crowd was like these hairy-legged guys. And so, <laughs> so that was not really working great, but that's what they were doing. And it, it like it didn't matter anyway because the thing got so spread out that by the time we got to the finish, uh, I think my gap was 10 or 12 minutes. And then it was stuff like that, big gaps, and you could sit down tell them who you were. But, did uh, you remember? Did you remember your lottery tickets at the gas station? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And that was the deal back in those days. You had to buy a Powerball ticket, and we had to buy one in Valpo, and one in Malcolm, and one in Hickman. It was at least those three. I don't think I forgot one. But uh, so the race starts, and it's pitch, pitch black. Uh, it's a pretty big bunch. Uh, it's aggressive. I tried to stay at the front and uh, not wreck, which was uh, kind of like one of my biggest fears is don't cause a wreck. And uh, um, by the time we got to Valpo, it was still a pretty good group, even though we'd hit a bunch of hills and it seemed like it was like supersonic fast to me. And uh, we had to go to one of those little gas stations there in Valparaiso mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get the Powerball tickets. And uh, it had rained maybe two days before the race. And so there were some tacky parts in the lowlands, but it was pretty dry, but not bad. But there was some mud if you went looking for it. And so we were, we were you know, dirty already by the time we got to Valparaiso, which I don't know what it is, maybe 30, 40 miles if you wander from Havelock. Yep. yep. And uh, that was where the race got real, was when we got to that gas station had to get that Powerball ticket, and here's like uh, maybe 25 of these other racers, which to me seemed like uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. And I got in there and just got slammed away from the counter. I couldn't get anywhere near the counter to get a ticket. <laughs> these guys were like so aggressive, his elbows out to the max to buy those Powerball tickets. And so I said, like, okay, I'll just go get a Gatorade and like wait in line. Uh, so by the time I got out of there, the, the bunch was really spread out. And, uh, so then, uh, Malcolm would have been the next one, next checkpoint at, uh, the general store and to buy a Powerball ticket in there, which I did. And by that time I had been by myself out on the course for quite a ways. And, uh, I got out of there and, uh, Mark Savory was way, way ahead of everybody and uh, somebody said that there's just a few guys in front of you so I chased about as hard as I could and uh, some point before we got for all the way south which I think was like on Panama Road yep to all the way should, you know crossing the interstate it up the, going south out for year one yeah uh, I had caught uh, two guys I can't remember who one was one was Jay Thomas Okay. And so I was really jazzed. Oh, I, I got somebody to ride with and talk to. And uh, so I'm just like gabbing away, blah, 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 blah. And they didn't seem as enthusiastic to talk as I did. So, well, okay. So we'll just push it on these hills and see how that goes. 
I felt pretty good by then. It was about mile 70 or so. And, uh, and uh, a little gap opened up. So, well, what the heck. So I'll just go with it. Kept rolling. And, uh, you know, halfway in the race, you're, it's after lunchtime. It's afternoon. Uh, it was one of those days where it was, I think, a, at the end of the, by the end of the race, it was maybe mid-90s. So it was already hot. And uh, I think the heat took a toll mm-hmm. on people that year. But uh, as far as I knew, there was just uh, Mark was out front. And in those rollers on the south end, on like on Panama Road, I could sometimes see him a mile or more ahead. And uh, I, I must, I probably have the worst race instincts of anybody on earth. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I don't want to chase because it'd be too hard so i'll just keep riding and i keep seeing him and 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 eventually i i started to get closer it's like oh okay i guess i'll get get up there eventually and then uh i caught him by hickman and he was going like oh great job of bridging i could see you back there oh okay yeah sure but that's uh, awesome so at hickman so he knew about, you were coming too. Like he, he, knew. he saw me, yeah, finally, because those hills are tall and you can see a long ways off of them. But uh, when uh, when we got together at Hickman at that last checkpoint uh, to buy the Powerball tickets, and back in those days, you you didn't have anybody bringing you food or anything. You just had to buy it all. Yep. And uh, I always figured that. I mean, it's after lunchtime. And even if I was sitting at home on the couch, I would be hungry. So yep. I need to eat something real. So I like order some pizza <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and have basically a lunch. And uh, Mark, uh, the heat was, it was hard for him. And, you know, he was uh, what, like a world champion cyclocross yep. racer. Yep. And so it's, it's like, what am I doing riding with Mark Savory? It seems nuts. But uh most cyclocross races weren't 150 miles long, so it was something that he hadn't trained for specifically. And the heat combined with those extra miles, uh, it was, uh, you know, wearing on him a little bit. And so we finally, we go, well, okay, we better go before somebody gets in here and catches us. And uh, we head out. It's hotter than blazes. And, uh, and, I, and he's, uh, he lets a gap open. So... I just push it a little bit and see if I, you know, what happens and, and I get away and then I get out of sight. So that's awesome. And by then, you know, we're all going North on, I don't know what the number of the road is. One ninety something. I have it pulled up here. If that is right, I'm going to be so impressed. 190th street. That is impressive. You got it. And yeah, you got it. Exactly. I I pulled up the route while we were talking. That is so impressive. You know, what else stands oh out is Oto County back in those days uh, must not have had any money at all. And they had a bunch of wooden bridges. Oh, they now, still have them. They still they? have them. Yep. Yeah, wooden bridges. But but uh, somebody must have donated white rock to them because they had a ton of white rock <laughs> thrown down. And then those bridges, which I was sure that the gap between the boards was 36 uh millimeters because my 35s would have just stuck right in them oh yeah we you know well, on uh on our long voyage uh like uh the first two years where we went south 
are in the the rider bible for the long voyage we said the most dangerous thing on course are these bridges <laughs> like that like because they are they're a wheel sucker um and i can i can promise you that those uh bridges that you're talking about have not been fixed or touched or repaired in That's the awesome. 15 years since the first gravel world don't see don't know <laughs> yeah. great cool they're just as bad if not worse so all of those uh I've got a gap on Mark. I'm coming up 190th uh, to, uh, it wasn't a checkpoint, but it was an oasis even back in those days at uh, Craig's uncle's house. Oh, yeah. It was uh-huh. like, uh, yeah, it was like another family farm out yeah. kind of near Eagle, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Not too far from the finish, right. actually. I think it was, right I think right it was maybe 14 miles or so from the finish line. But uh, that was exactly so... 14 miles. Oh my gosh, your memory is insane. You are so good. You are <laughs> mem- on point. <laughs> your memory is ridiculous. This is and awesome. And that's not talking about this at all, you know, for 15 years. Oh my gosh, today. this is so fun. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, so we, we get to, the, to that farm and they've got a uh, cooler set up and tons of food. And she's, uh, there's a lady with a garden hose and uh-huh. some lawn chairs. You could, you could sit down and take a break, but... I, I know Mark is like right on my heels, so so I just like grab something to eat, stuff it in my mouth, sign off on the uh, checklist that shows you were there, and then head it on back out to Haverlock, which has got to be the most washboarded uh, road on earth, especially <laughs> that after that also hasn't changed in 15 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After after almost nine hours, it's like just get this over with. Uh, Come cruising in, Corey's sitting there in that pop-up tent still. Um, I get done. Uh, Corey gives me a high five, literally. And uh, I don't even think he had a Coke back. Maybe he had a Coke, a can of Coke back in that day. Uh, but that was it. Yep. Good job. See ya. That's so <laughs> funny. Well, but you got your jersey though. You got the you jersey. Got the jersey. Yeah, I put on the jersey and a and a, a luminous little trophy that uh, said Gravel Worlds 2010, which I treasure. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it was pretty low key, which That's was great. So cool. What's been your favorite thing over the years to see change or evolve in Gravel Worlds? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna. St- tell you that one thing that I really enjoy now that uh, is going to get a, like a mixed reaction out of your audience is I love to see the pros race nowadays. I'm really jazzed on where uh, gravel's going as a, as a spectator, as a, you know, and it, as a person who just loves bike racing. Uh, the UCI gravel worlds, I was really miffed that they didn't have the whole race uh, on uh, video and that they didn't have any of the women's race was absolutely ridiculous. Just the dumbest thing on earth because, uh, women's racing on, on the gravel is just as good as men's racing. It's super competitive and a blast to watch it as a, as a viewer. But anyway, um, the day has got to be coming when they'll have the motos and the cameras and the helicopters and the big races like gravel worlds and unbound will be uh, live video. Big Sugar but, did a really good job of yeah. um, the coverage for both the men and the women um, this past year. And they had a helicopter. And even that night, they had their gravel rave. And they already had all of the footage up yeah. from that race just a few hours prior. 
Yeah, I'll give I'll give credit where credits due. I and I I, I called Ben Sachs actually after Big Sugar, and I was uh, like, it was very impressive what what Lifetime did on on race coverage. Um, I don't know. I would doubt we have would ever have the budget to do something that incredible, but uh, we love our Instagram uh, race coverage. Keep it as grassroots as we can, but it, yeah, it is. I. I I also think it's it, it's like a balance, right? And like we can celebrate the front end while also keeping the spirit for for everybody else too. And I, it's yeah, like the professionalization of gravel is is exciting to see for sure. And it it raises the bar and attention for for other people to come in and and enjoy the sport. Couldn't agree more. Yep. You have seen a lot of gravel events in your time. What is the one event or maybe like one or two events that's no longer around that you miss the most? Okay. The most fun events that aren't going on. Um, Okay. Two come to mind immediately. Uh, uh, Odin's Revenge. That was mine. That, and that's that mine. Is something that and is mentioned all the time. I yeah. don't know anyone who's like participating in that event and says, no, I don't want Odin's Revenge to come back. Like that is always the go-to. We need Odin's Revenge. Yeah. And, and why? What do you suppose that is? I mean, out in the middle it, of Nebraska? It was, I mean, it was a beautiful race, but it was also, I, I, also for me is the nostalgia of it was my first gravel race for sure on, on that. But it was, I mean, it's, and I think it was that way for a lot of people yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a, I mean, it's so beautiful out there. And Potter's Pasture and all that stuff that, that they have. It's, yeah, for being right off the interstate, I think a lot of people drive by that, that the beauty south of the interstate there. Yeah, you don't see it from the interstate. But those, uh, what, Nebraska canyons, I mean, they're not like the Grand Canyon, but they're they're definitely canyons and the road follows along them uh, in a snake you know, manner and, uh, is totally different than on the grid stuff with cornfields, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which, which basically I could say like any, what races do I love? The ones that have cows, uh, beside the race course, <laughs> as opposed to the ones that have corn. Yes. Now I know you guys got both, but, uh, and, and maybe heavy on corn, but usually <laughs> corn is going to be a flat, not super exciting, uh, race course. But if there's cows next, next to it, uh, it's a little more interesting undulations Cow- and so on. Cows are a little bit more visually appealing as well. Like you get to watch them interact with the world instead of corns just waving yeah. back and forth. Yeah. 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 They're, yeah. They're, they're way better than corn. Uh, so other, oh, sorry, other races that I miss, uh, uh, gravel ride for Maisie's pride. You ever heard of, you've heard of that, haven't you? I haven't heard of that one. Oh. It was, uh, a race in Eskridge, Kansas, that Ryan Dudley uh, put on, and uh, I'll go back to the start. Like in after '09, Dirty Kansas, I really wanted to get more experience in the Flint Hills because it was like overwhelming to race down there. Uh, it was, you know, in parts terrifying and in parts like super exciting. So I wanted to like get more of it. And uh, there was a little church in Alta Vista that put on a fall ride for uh, like fundraiser or something. And then they'd have like a potluck when it was over. Maybe it was like 50 miles or so. So I went to Alta Vista, which is up there by real close to Little Egypt Road and did this ride. And after it was over, I was sitting and talking to this guy and he's going, I should put on a race because I live over in Eskridge. And 
Eskridge was at the end of that first Dirty Cans I did. And I thought, well, that's a pretty cool area. I'd come down. And, I, and he goes, what do you think? Should I do it? Yeah, totally you should. So uh, Ryan, and he, I don't know how many years he did it, maybe 10 years. Uh, so he did this race uh, as a benefit for their local swimming pool in Eskridge. And it seemed like every year he made it harder and harder. It started out maybe it was like 70 miles. And by the time he, the last one, it was 120 some miles, which is way too much for out in that area. Yes, that's killer. Yeah. But uh, um, really, really beautiful. That area of Kansas and Waubonsee County is uh, my favorite. But anyway, so I missed that race. But there's uh, Bobby Thompson is now doing um, one he calls Rock Ridge out of yep. uh, Alma, Kansas. And it covers a lot of the same roads. So, you know, like... Uh, Iowa Wind and Rock, there's a race that kind of fills the gap sometimes if uh, if the area is super awesome or the format of the race is really good. So like, yeah, Trans-Iowa, now you've got Iowa Wind and Rock. We used to have Maisie's Ride. Now we've got Bobby's uh, Rock Ridge. So, I mean, it's there's still options. Oh, if you haven't done Rock Ridge, have you? Uh, I haven't gotten, because it's in, that's the one that's in July, right? It was in July. I think it's in the end of June this year. Oh, okay. so then I might be able to go. It, it, July is starts like the crunch time for for me with Gravel Worlds. Like I basically don't have a life from the fourth of July <laughs> until <laughs> until August. Uh, but it's it's on my list. But I've done uh, looking at actually one of my questions I have, and this is we're kind of already in this tangent was uh, what are some grassroots events now that you think people should try? And obviously Rock Ridge is one. You're wearing mm-hmm. a, a Flint Hills gravel shirt, which is Bobby's other event uh, that I've, I've been to every single one. Hopefully I get to go, like can go in April next year uh, as well. But um, yeah, those are two great, like really grassroots races. Um, love what Bobby does with his, uh, Bobby Thompson uh, does with, uh, with his events. Are there other gravel races that like, that you think people should try that are, um, kind of fly under the radar a little bit? Um, yeah, I'm sure there are. Uh, Bobby Smith down in uh, Winfield, Kansas, puts on one called Elrod Cirque. Okay. And uh, that's usually in May, maybe two or so weeks before Unbound. So it's a really nice uh, final checkup for Unbound if you wanted to go do that. Uh, so that's a that one was really fun. That part of Kansas is really cool too. That's like be like the furthest south end of the Flint Hills. Okay, very uh, cool. Not quite as sharp or rocky stuff, but still really cool place to ride. Um, I there's so many races nowadays. It's not yeah. hard to find one. Awesome, I love it. Um, well, we are. I told I told you the forty minutes would go really quick. We're we're already there. Uh, and and genuinely, Mike, I've uh, it, it's been awesome the support that you've given for Gravel Worlds over the years. But um, just following you and uh, your adventures, and like I said, getting dropped by you. You're actually wearing the shirt as I think the last time you dropped me at an event uh, was was the Flint Hills 2022. <laughs> uh, you had that orange kit on, didn't you? Yep. The- the yep. PCL, uh, that, yeah. was a, that was an awesome kit. I really liked that. And yeah, I think you were running like orange gravel king tires. Yeah. Oh my gosh, your memory is you insane. You have a really good memory. <laughs> good golly, that's crazy. 
No, so it was, I, it was I, great to, to know see you remember you dropped you actually that one you didn't just drop me you caught me on the half distance and then dropped me because I I didn't even do the full I did the I cut course because I was having a rough day so you caught me after I cut twenty five miles off I think oh I didn't report you. Uh, it's I, I hadn't I didn't take the patch. I told Bobby he like went to go give me a patch at the end. I was like, no, no, no I didn't earn it. I didn't earn it today. <laughs> well, but I, I, what you say brings up a great point that you know uh, in gravel racing there's always a bigger fish, and so if you drop somebody, somebody else is going to drop you, and yeah. it doesn't matter who, and unless maybe your name's Keegan or Wout, or Toddy, there's a bigger fish. And so you just can't, you know, you can't base your self-worth on getting dropped for in any oh, way, no. shape, or form because, man, there's a lot of talent nowadays. I, I, uh, I, I find getting dropped now humbling because it's like when I go out and ride and I'm like, oh, I'm doing pretty good and I'm doing all right. And then I ride with other people. I'm like, oh, that is, that is so cool. <laughs> like what they've, what they've done to get their body to do that is, is always really fun for me. Um, so I don't say it as a negative towards myself. I, I, it's like literally an honor to like be in conversation with people and be like, all right, see ya. And then they just, gone. uh, but genuinely, uh, Mike, I'm really thankful for you in this community and, um, the, the, I guess things that you've done to help progress gravel to where it is and always being humble and, and kind to your competitors and, and, uh, it was almost uh, we had to kind of pull some teeth a little bit to even get you on here because you you don't like bragging about yourself, but uh, you have accomplished a lot and uh, really proud of of what you've done. And it's an honor to have you on the podcast and to call you friend. And um, anytime our paths cross, it's always it's always a great thing. So thanks, um, Jason. I sure appreciate but, that. Thanks, Sophia. Yes. But before we That's go, great. Sophia does have one last question. Yes. So, Mike, what does the Gravel family mean to you? Uh, that's it. It means family. It means that you're going to see people that you, uh, really like and care about, and you might not see them very often, but when you do, it's, uh, it's really special and it's a great time to go have a beer after a great race. And, uh, it's just, it, it's just so much fun. Uh, it's oh. like the, the family that, that you wish you could have had. Yes. Oh. Oh, that's that a good hits. one. Yep. That's a good one. Well, I'm, uh, we're really thankful for you, and thanks for being on the podcast. And maybe uh, we can have you on again in a couple of years and, and tell even more stories. So uh, it, was, it was fun chatting with you today. Thanks for your time on this beautiful Sunday. Thanks, guys. All right, see Bye. Ya. I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. And I'm Mike. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We will see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com.